0: The Chris Shearn Show, only on yesnetwork.com. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition The Latest and Greatest of The Chris Shearn Show. It's The Usual Suspects, Kevin... Po- oh no, 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 never mind. Kaiser Sosay. There you go. You. It's Lou DiPietro, yes, on the Twitter machine, and Chris Shearn, yes, on the Twitter machine. And don't forget, you could uh, subscribe to this for free 99 on the iTunes Podcast Network. And when you do that... It goes to all your smart devices. And what does that make you, Lou? Very smart. Yes. Yes, it does. A big week for the Yankees. I mean, this is... This it is... may
1: not be over. There's... And right.
0: You know, as we taped this on Thursday, Brian Cashman said, you know, he still has some irons there in the fire, as it were, uh, on the hot stove. But uh, we have a Yankee specialist uh, sitting right next to me. So we're going to let Lou. It's my speciality. Exactly. We're going to let Lou, who, write, who does a great job on uh, YesNetwork.com, uh, writing for the website and doing video as well, as well as the podcast and producing it. But um, let's just start with Starlin Castro uh, for starters and Adam Warren going out to the Cubs for Castro. And We, we talked about this on the Nets post game with Jack Curry the other night because the story broke around halftime, of the Nets' win over the Rockets. And uh, I talked to Jack, and it, it's interesting. You know, in one fell swoop, Lou, they take care of their issues at second base. Yes. Um, they get another year of control of a player because Warren would have been a free agent in 2019. Castro's under contract until 2020 with a club option for that year. So, And the Yankees get younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, another 25-year-old. Now, he and Didi Gregorius will be your middle infield, and by the time the season starts, Didi turns 26 in February. Castro turns 26 in March.
1: Could be your middle infield for the next decade plus. Yes. <clears throat>
0: so, yep. th- see, this Yankee fans have to stop wanting the bazooka to kill an ant. That's no longer what's happening with this franchise. They have seen the handwriting on the wall. They have seen the winning formulas from the teams that have just been in the world the, the- to take your San Francisco Giants teams. Take your Kansas City Royal teams uh, that went and lost and went and won this year. I mean, Brian Cashman is not a fool. The years of giving 30 year old players 10 year deals for ridiculous amounts of money and then dealing with what the Yankees are dealing with right now, those days are over. They're over. It's not happening anymore. You have to be smarter. Now, are guys still going to get paid? Are teams still going to give these guys that amount of money? Yeah. Yeah, because that's what the market is going to be, and it's only going to go up. And how much is baseball worth, Lou? Billions and billions. Oh. Doc- Eleventy
1: bajillion-ish. Yeah,
0: Dr. Evil would be blushing at mm-hmm. the amount of money that Major League Baseball has. So you could talk all you want about these guys getting the money they're getting. You know, not only do... Quote, unquote, they deserve it. I mean, I really would like to see what Sandy Koufax would uh, get in free agency or Don Drysdale or Bob Gibson. And on
1: the other hand, I'd love to see what baseball looked like if it had to operate just once under a salary cap like yeah. every other sport. Like, it would be
0: ridiculous. Like, do 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 the baseball what the NHL yeah. did and see what happens.
1: Yeah. Oof. Well, as long as you don't have the, the salary floor, because then, like, Bell Herrera would be making $8 million a year to play center field for the Phillies. We're not here to
0: play school. Who? Uh, It would be playing school as well as playing baseball because you'd have to spend your money wisely in order to win if there Mm -hmm. was a salary cap involved. But let's start with the Warren and Castro deal. And in your eyes, uh, in your expertise, what does this mean for the Yankees?
1: Well, three things in my eyes. Number one, it means that they are clearly in the market for starting pitching. And Cashman has been on – MLB Network Radio, he's been on Hot Stove, he's been on other things. Jim Hendry, special assistant, who actually was the GM when the the Cubs signed Starlin Castro. Been on Hot Stove, been on MLB Network Radio, been on elsewhere. And, And They're saying the same things everywhere they go, and they're saying the same things as the other ones. So clearly, it's not just the party line of, you know, just wait and see kind of idea. They know what's going on. They know this team knows what it's doing right now. The first thing is, yes, they're in the market for starting pitching. Because right now, you look at the rotation they have. They have Tanaka, Pineda, Ivaldi, Severino, CeCe, and Nova. Mm -hmm. Six guys for five spots. Nova is probably the odd man out. Maybe Severino, if they don't get anywhere and something pops up and they say, you know what, he's got an option. And they do the same thing to him that they did to Ivan Nova a few years ago when he went down to AAA, even though he was 12-4, and I think. He had options. He had room. He was the guy. But there, there's clearly something there because beyond them, number seven is probably Brian Mitchell. And Number eight may honestly be one of the guys they got from the Tigers, or is it maybe Brady Lale, who didn't really fare too well in AAA A, but is coming up? Or Rookie Davis is on the forty man, so you know Brad Halsey got a shot straight out of Double A a decade or so ago. You never know, but there's clearly limited depth there. So it'll that's make, that's number make, one. It'll
0: make spring training interesting. Yep. Yet again.
1: Number two is Rob Refsnyder is now obviously a trade chip. Absolutely. Uh, What's he here for with Castro? There's 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. There's four four years guaranteed five possible of Castro under contract. Ref Snyder's already burned an option because he spent 20 days in the minors while on the 40-man roster last year. So you always hear the phrase out of options. Ref Snyder's got this year and next year if he's on the Yankees and in the minors for more than three weeks, which is probably likely if everything stays the same. So what do you do with him? Unless Didi Gregorius goes completely in the tank and they decide, well, all right, now it's time to play a ref and we'll move Castro to short for the time being until Tyler Wade or somebody lower in the system is ready. But clearly that makes him a trade chip. Number three, what it does is it gives the Yankees a dynamic middle infield, which is easily just as dynamic with the bat as the one they've had the last year and change, but definitely more dynamic defensively. Steven Drew was a shortstop just like Starlin Castro was a shortstop. So they both have shortstop range. Drew played second base fairly well, but Castro, Jim Hendry especially thinks, may be even better based on what he showed in Chicago in the second half last year. And he's 26. And Jack <laughs> so. Jack
0: also brought up the point, you know, uh, he, he had a rough start to last season. Yep. But when they moved him to second, he picked it up yep. he at did. the plate as well. He didn't pout. No, he didn't pout, and he picked it up. He actually turned the season <laughs> around when yep. they did that. Uh, and I asked Jack about what it does to the Yankee lineup, and it's something that they needed last mm-hmm. year was another righty with a little pop. I mean, the guy's right. not going to hit 25 home runs, but it's another righty with pop in the
1: lineup. Well, here's, here's what this also gives you. This gives you Starling Castro in the lineup. If the lineup stays as it is now with Starling Castro as your second baseman, and you've got Tex, Headley, Dee, the three outfielders, McCann, and A-Rod in your nominal nine. Castro gives you a guy that you could hit second if you want to break up two lefties, if, especially if you're facing a team right. that's, that's lefty heavy or, you know, in the bullpen. Not necessarily a lefty starter because Girardi makes moves around that. You have a guy who hitting somewhere seven, eight, nine is probably one of the better. If, if he's even close to where he was, he had 200 hits three or four years ago. He's a three time All Star. If he comes close to that, Next year. Like two-thirds of, of what that was. Mm-hmm. He's probably one of the elite seven hitters in the American League. <laughs> and yeah, and, and, and one, of, you know, one of the very tippy-top, if not best, eight or nine hitters in the league. He, he improves the The way Brett Gardner was probably the yeah. best nine hitter in the league right. a few years ago.
0: And for the first half of last season. Well, he was at the top of the lineup yep. because of the Ellsbury injuries.
1: And the third thing it does with that lineup is with that number two hole, if Gardner or Ellsbury has a day off, especially against a lefty, you don't have to hit Chase Headley second.
0: If Gardner's still around,
1: right. by the way. You don't have to hit Chase Headley second. You don't have to move guys around. You don't have to, to bring somebody up that may not, you know. Nick Swisher was kind of that guy that you could hit second or sixth because mm-hmm. he had a, a good OBP mm-hmm. kind of thing. Headley's not so much that guy, but he hit second a lot.
0: But late in the season. You, you heard it all the time right. from the manager. Versatility. Mm-hmm. He he wants and he needs versatility. That's why they went out and got Ackley yep. at the trade deadline. Not only does he give you versatility in the lineup, he gives you versatility. He could play a lot of positions in the and
1: field. He and makes, he makes Brendan – I've seen Brendan Ryan as the player to be named later in that trade. I've seen him as not the player to be named later in that trade. Officially, it was just a player to be named later. Regardless of whether Ryan's a Cub, a Yankee, or neither – He's expendable now as well. The mm-hmm. Yankees gave him, the, the, he picked up his option, he took a million dollars. His leash was extremely long. Right. The, let's be honest. The Yankees, let's be fair, it, even as cost cutting or whatever you want to call it that they're doing, and the way Cashman's saying we're moving money around the marketplace, a million dollars to the Yankees in that scenario is like you or me throwing five bucks, you know, oh, at, yeah. a, at a lottery ticket yeah, and saying, oh, you know what, I'll, I'll throw a few bucks at Powerball because it's a yeah. couple hundred million and who knows? Castro can now be your backup shortstop. And because he's a, you know, he's not a lefty hitter, <laughs> right. you, you have a little more flexibility. So you don't need a righty hitter, like glove first righty hitter like Ryan was. What that frees up the Yankees to do now is you have, if they go out and sign an Eric Chavez type, and Pedro Alvarez is the one I'll throw out there, but there's several available. And Alvarez's defense is not what the Yankees may be looking for per se if defense is still their notion. But if you go out and sign a guy like that, an Eric Chavez type, who can play third, play first, Maybe he's, you know, maybe he's a righty hitter because Hedley and Tex are both switch. Mm-hmm. So maybe you want a righty hitter to put in there when you're, when you're facing a lefty. And you take away all the questions about is Alex going to play first. Right. He's, Those questions he's not. are gone. He's a, he's a DH. He's a DH. What the Yankees give themselves is three deep, either at the major league level or on the 40-man roster. They're three deep at every position except mm-hmm. for short. And they just signed Pete Cosmo, so he would probably be three deep. But you have your three outfielders. You have Aaron Hicks, who can play all three spots. Ackley can play either corner, and Gardner's a center fielder. So you're three deep at every spot in the outfield no matter what happens. This is... And the same in the infield because you've got your Alvarez type that can play first or third. You can put Ackley at first. Maybe he can play third. Maybe not. Maybe a can play third. So there's question there, but you've got room. And then the Castro, Didi sign a middle, versatile middle infielder, Ackley kind of dynamic, you're, you're good there too. And ref Snyder on the 40 if he stays.
0: Al Leiter said it on Yankees hot stove on Wednesday night down in Nashville. He said, with the New York Yankees, obviously, you're not going to knock it down and build it back up like Philadelphia nope. has to. You, you're going to compete or try to every year with what you have and try to make moves to be in the mix. And that's what they've been. Even the two years they missed the playoffs, they were in it in the last month. You're going to renovate one room at a time. Exactly. That's the best way to do it. That's the best way to analyze this. Think of your house. You don't have the money to do the whole thing. You're going to do the bathroom first. Then in a couple of years, you'll do the kitchen. Yeah. That's what the Yankees are doing then if to get back.
1: Yeah, if something springs a leak, you're going to have to do right.
0: you know, some, something else. And then he says you get back to the core four or the core five or the core three, whoever it may be. You Throw them out there, Judge, Bird, Severino, whoever you want to put into that mix. Sanchez. Sanchez. We're not going to mention Ref Snyder anymore. But uh, it's a
1: shame. Refs a good guy.
0: Yeah, he is. I enjoyed interviewing him, and it's a shame it never made the air. And now it probably will never make the air. He'll
1: be, he'll be. If if he's indeed headed ticketed <laughs> elsewhere for, you know, next year or somewhere in his career, he'll definitely be one of those guys. You know, when when the when the Mets come into town, everybody goes over to see Curtis Granderson in his right. locker room. Yeah. and and Curtis says hello to everybody, and mm-hmm. is, it's just like 2000, you know, 13 and earlier. Only, he's, only he's, he's in a different uniform. He's in
0: that Jeter mold when it comes right. to clubhouse presence and, when, and dealing with the media. When John
1: – I saw it when I first started working here with Johnny Damon at the end of his career. Same thing. He was always – the beat writers, everybody. He was always a popular target. Jabba. Uh, two years – Jabba. Jabba two years ago when he was in the middle of his Peter Griffin bird-bearing beard days. <laughs> you know, same thing. Had a little press conference. Took the time to say hi to all the beat writers. Yeah, everybody caught up. Like, you know, even though he was kind of a – he was kind of a clown at times in the locker room, and, and a little off-putting to some people. He still got that treatment. So there, there are a lot of guys that get that, you know, pop fan favorite Swisher. I mean, obviously that goes good. without saying. Yeah. But uh, he, I think he was more excited to see us when we went into the the Indians' locker room the first year after he left than we were to see him. Like that's because <laughs> he's just that kind of guy. But yeah. You know, so I, I think Ref for me, Ref will be one of those one of those guys. And everybody has certain prospects that they follow or root for or whatever that that fit that mold. Yeah,
0: when you go down there and you meet these kids, and that's what they are. Uh, you know, in the mm-hmm. grand scheme of yep. things, they might be 24 or 25, but in baseball, or twenty three in baseball, they're kids. Yep. In, in normal life, you're an adult, but in baseball, you're kids. You just start in your career and uh, you and do the right things. They get younger as we get older. Yeah, you do the right things and say the right things. Yep. Wasn't that a line in Days and Confused in a different?
1: Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> a different, in a different context and realm, yeah. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Uh, those Murphy, of you – J.R. Murphy – John Ryan Murphy will be in that group too. Yeah. We, we, we did, and you know this. When Joe Auriemma was here doing a lot of minor league stuff and then when I took over with him and for him, we spent uh, a lot of time with John Ryan Murphy and Trenton Scranton and elsewhere. And Romine, yeah. And then the same thing when he was here. It was always a guy you'd go up and talk to and be like, hey, Murph, what's going on, you know, kind of thing. Like I wrote a story about him sometime and his mom emailed me something about like something positive about the story, like a minor correction. But like, thanks for, thanks so much for writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, I'm like, that's weird. You're not going to
0: get that from an established. Not get major that from established <laughs> major
1: when I told him that he was kind of like, I don't know if I should be embarrassed <laughs> or proud, but it's like Murph, your mom emailed me, but um, you know, he's uh, one of those guys you always go up and when there's not much going on in the clubhouse, you can go up and strike a conversation with yeah. him about anything. Cause yeah, you I'm get to know baseball, him a little bit. Yeah. Right. So he'll, he'll get that treatment from a lot of guys. I'm sure. Too. Uh, let's move
0: on to the next deal. Uh, they sent uh, Justin Wilson uh, to, the, do, to the Tigers for a couple of prospects uh, who didn't have great seasons last year. But as you mentioned at the top of the podcast, both of these guys will probably, because of the starting yeah. pitching depth issues the Yankees have, and they don't know if they're going to shake out of spring training with you know the five that are maybe projected. And now that Warren depth. and yeah. now that Warren is gone, you've got two hard throwing kids coming in here. You throw him out there in spring training, hey, maybe Larry Rothschild could wave his magic wand and get something going with one of these two kids.
1: That's true. Larry Rothschild has done wonders for many people. Nathan Avaldi uh, last yeah, year, most specifically. But, Absolutely. Um, and one of those guys, I forget which one, was the other player with uh, Fulmer that went to the Tigers when Ces- the Mets traded for Ces- Cespedes.
0: Was it, is his name Cespedes? Sar- Sarah? Ceso or Sesso.:
1: Yeah, Cesso. I don't know a lot about these two guys because um, I don't know a lot about the Tigers' mm-hmm. farm system. They were apparently the number six and number 19 prospects in the Tigers' farm system, which is one of the worst in the majors. So where that Take compares – that with a grain of salt. Yeah, where man. that compares to being number one in like the cardinal system or <laughs> number six in the cardinal system or something like is, is up to interpretation. But it might
0: be moons apart. No, it probably
1: this, is This is, This is an interesting – the Wilson trade is an interesting
0: – You're taking your seventh yeah. inning guy and you're jettisoning it's it. It's an
1: interesting, strange, and confusing move Tell all Tell me at why once. they did it. Okay. There's three parts to this. Here's why it's interesting. Left-handed relief depth, especially if Andrew Miller sticks around as your closer. I mean, granted, your closer is your closer. He's pitching to anybody, so it doesn't matter if yeah, he's left-handed. Can righty. you
0: trade him now after you get rid of Justin Wilson?
1: You could. Depends on what you get back, and depends on who you can. Depends on not what you... for a couple of prospects. It depends though. on what... you got to get something back. It depends on what you get back, how comfortable you are with Betances as a closer, and how confident you are that you can use some of the twenty-seven million you're not paying Miller mm-hmm. to go out and sign. Like Tony Sip, for instance, just re-signed with Houston. But a guy like that, or a guy somewhere in that middle relief, you know, someone who's a seventh, eighth kind of inning right. guy, someone like a Kelvin Herrera type. The um, the baton hander. Right, yes. the guy who's your seventh inning fireman. It's interesting because lefty depth has been something the Yankees have been building up over the years. They're they're very high on Jacob Lindgren. James Pazzo's got uh-huh. a lot of, lot of work in September. And they
0: mentioned them yep. in filling that, And in. a
1: lot of high leverage work in September for Pazzo's. And Lindgren got hurt last yep. year, so he got a little – he got his Ty- – Tyler Webb is also bubbling below the surface. Yes. And as you – He was impressive you know, last year too. As you well know, he missed a lot of time because of a finger injury, but then got, made it up a little in the Arizona Fall League. So he's been impressive I, for a couple years.
0: I just love his, his – his, his, there's so much fun you could have with that name.
1: Tyler Webb. Well, the Yankees led the Arizona oh, was, Fall League in tylers this year because they had Webb, Austin, and Wade all in Arizona. It, it was uh,
0: Chevy Chase's name in Caddyshack. Yes, yeah. I'm looking for Ty Webb. Ty Webb. Um. In anyway, the, in this club,
1: <laughs> if you if you have a left arm, you'll uh, you'll find yourself useful in the major league right. somehow. So, especially if you're David Price, but it's interesting on. because the seventh inning guy is gone. Your your main lefty is gone. However. As I was saying to Glengie and Granny downstairs mm-hmm. earlier, before we came up to tape, look at what the Yankees did with the Sprint Shuttle last year. It's interesting because there's left-handed depth, so they're dealing with from position of depth. It's strange because Wilson was clearly their third best reliever last year, maybe absolutely, fo- maybe fourth if you stop chasing Shreve on, on September first. Correct. Um, he had
0: a rough last month.
1: Right, but. You know, he was your main guy, and it's weird because Cashman made a comment somewhere around, like, he's getting into his money-making arbitration years. Mm-hmm. And if, like, $1.7 for a lefty seventh-inning guy is too much money in arbitration for the Yankees, something seems a little weird there. But yeah. th- there's, I'm sure there was context or whatever behind it. That's beside the point. Look what they did with the Scranton shuttle. So if, if you keep Miller at this point, you have Miller and Batanzas in the back end of your bullpen. you got five spots. One of them is going to be a Nova-Mitchell-long guy type. So there's mm-hmm. four middle spots in the bullpen. You have Pazos. You have Lindgren, Lindgren. You have Webb, who doesn't need to be on the 40-man until next year, but could be. Mm-hmm. You could legitimately cycle two of those three in and just keep a fresh arm as your two lefties throughout. Find anyone else in that group, Goody, Rumbleo, Pinder, uh, Johnny Barbados on the 40-man roster Johnny now. Johnny Barbados. There's another one. And any of those guys. Find one of them to be your seventh inning guy and then cycle the rest in as your as – your your last man in the bullpen, and the Yankees could have legitimately a 14-man bullpen where there's three constants and, and four moving parts. I
0: thought you were going to say in, in one vowel. Um, sorry. <laughs>
1: well, that would be Evan Rootsky, who was taken in the Rule <laughs> 5 draft, but we'll get to him later. He has one
0: vowel and a seven-letter last name. Oh,
1: my God. That's
0: tremendous. I set him up. You knock him down, yep. as
1: always. Um, so that's, that's what's I- weird about that. But, you know— Cashman felt it was a a position of strength. He found a position of weakness that he felt he needed to bolster, and there you go. Wilson's a tiger.
0: I don't know about you, and we'll get to Rule 5 in a second. You brought that up before we get into the wonderful world of the NFC East. Oh, Jesus.
1: I forgot my scenario downstairs, but I remember most of it. Let's not rush the bit, though. (laughs) We'll get there in a second. Um,
0: But the first thing I have to say, and I just want to get your comment on this. Um, To me, this is fun. And maybe because... I spent that time in the minors with Joe going around and, and doing those stories, Trenton and Scranton and Three Staten first pitches Island. in one day. Three first pitches in one day. It's on YouTube. Check it out or not. It's, it, it's okay. It's watchable. It's a fun story. It's fun it's that watchable. the synergy worked out that and, way, that Trenton
1: had such an early game right, and it started and there. And Chase,
0: God rest his soul, was in that.
1: Yes. Yes, he was. Mm-hmm. He was the original bat dog. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry, anyway. I, I got you off track.
0: Tangents. I do the same thing to you. It's not a big deal, <laughs> but I think this is fun. I prefer
1: cosines. They don't. Go ahead. I
0: think, I think this is fun because I've, I lived through the 80s and the early 90s. That wasn't fun. Turning on your favorite baseball team and just seeing a crap, crap product on the field. I'm sorry. They were. With the exception of Don Mattingly and a bunch of high-priced free agents and a pitching staff that was terrible, terrible every single season pretty much. You know, when you're – you got Ed Whitson and Eric Plunk.
1: (laughs) Greg Cattarae. Greg Cattarae. Uh, Andy Hawkins, Was Lee Guterman, part of that Lee squad Gooderman, as well. My goodness, some great name, Dale Mahorsick. And I'm not. Look, great
0: I'm names. not. I'm not crapping on any of these guys. I'm not. They they made the major leagues. They were major
1: league pitchers, but we were pretty bad. So are all the guys on the Phillies and the Rockies too? But yeah. they're bad teams. They were Which bad. Is what it they is. were
0: just bad teams. And I feel bad for Donnie. And I feel bad for all the fans that had to live through, you know, 1982. Through
1: 1990s, Donnie, Winnie, Willie, Pags, yeah. Ricky Henderson. There was there was talent on those teams, just not enough. They won. Uh, what year is it? It's and,
0: 2015. So yeah. fans, 25 years ago, a quarter century ago, the New York Yankees won 69 games. Yeah. Think about that for a second.
1: They haven't come close yeah. to that
0: in how long?
1: Cashman mentioned that in one of the Since interviews. Then. In one of the interviews he had, and I believe it was on MLB. Network uh, the other night. He's been GM for seventeen years now, and eighty-three wins is his lowest win total. He's been the GM for seventeen. I years. believe 1998-99 He took over. He took over for Bob ring.
0: Watson. Yeah, who
1: took over for Stick. Yeah,
0: the the Padres. Because I remember. Yeah. that was his first. Yeah, that was yeah. his first time. So race. he's been
1: GM yeah. since then, and, and they've had a a five hundred a better than five hundred record every year, regardless of the situation. I, that's I mean that's that's, in, that's incredible. That counts for I mean look. It's incredible that a team did that, and it's even more incredible that the same GM has done that because he finds a way, and it works. Right,
0: and George Steinbrenner, you know, he's the one who put it out there. He wanted to win a championship every year. Now, that's the way I want my owner to be. That's Mm -hmm. the way I want my team's mentality to be shaped. Of course you want that, but as a fan, you have to know it's not realistic. It's a great plan, but it's not going to work every year. The Yankees now have a plan. And Brian Cashman and the front office is doing a tremendous job solidifying that plan and not giving a Zach Granke or a David Price or any one of these other big free agents these huge contracts. Those days are over. This, This is the smart way to do things. And you know what? Maybe the Yankees don't make the playoffs in 2016. I'm not saying they don't. They could. They could be a wild card. They could win the division. They could win the division.
1: But what if they don't? Guess what? The next year, how much money comes off the books, Lou? Uh, minimum 40. Maximum probably 70, 70. Ish, depending on CeCe and, and other guys. But there's Like
0: Al Leiter said it, I'll use his quote, fans have to start seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. And I've seen it. I've seen the light. It's my job to be Billy Graham and make everybody else see it this as is, well.
1: This is what I'll say about this. You, you, we, you mentioned the... The way it is, and and we we mentioned the renovate one room at a time thing, and there's a plan for like 2018, and it's now getting there and doing what we have to do to get there regardless of... And depending on injuries, you you might get there quicker. I don't want to say regardless of the consequences, because obviously the goal is to win a championship or make the playoffs every year, and, and fans and even the Yankees brass aren't happy if they don't. That said, some teams operate in different ways. You're seeing with the Astros now what a few years of futility, high draft picks, good development, smart trades... Signing guys like Scott Feldman to a, a three-year contract and then trading him kind of thing to get prospects and rebuild. Signing mid-level guys that you can trade and rebuild and use chips and this and that, that's worked for – you know that that's worked for the Astros. And it worked for Jeff Lou now and it worked for the group that's there. And they made the playoffs and almost made it to the ALCS last year. They were right there on the cusp. The Twins back in 2000-ish did the same thing with the Jock Jones, Tory Hunter – David Ortiz era of players. Brad Radke was, you know, a, a horse on those teams. And they did the same thing and made the, the playoffs for a good four or five year stretch. The Phillies are hopefully in the midst of that now. Right now, to be a Philadelphia sports fan is akin to dunking your head underwater as long as you can stand it before drowning and then picking it back up again. But but uh. hopefully the Phillies are. In that same mold where they're, you know, they're selling off their assets, they're getting rid of the big contracts, the older guys from the, the dynasty years. They got rid of Rollins and Utley the last couple of years. Ryan Howard will be gone eventually and blah, 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 Hamels and Cliff Lee. The Yankees don't do that. The Yankees can't do that. <clears throat> the Yankees won't do that. But what they can do is instead of abusing the money, so to speak, and just saying here's a blank check, go out and get everybody, they'll take what they have and use it creatively to – patch the holes while they wait for other things to develop. And that's what's happening now. Aaron Judge struggled at AAA in the second half of last year. There's no doubt about that, the numbers and watching him on tape show. it. But he's been in the system for three years now. He's got one more before he's Rule 5 eligible and three more after that if they want to let him sit in AAA for four years. Mm -hmm. He's got time. Ref Snyder was the same way. Gary Sanchez has, I believe, one more option. So you can leave him down in AAA and let somebody be the backup and let him rake and then kind of do the understudy thing that everybody's done.
0: Because he has to play every day. You don't right. want him sitting on the
1: bench. Mark Teixeira's contract is up at the end of the year. So even if Greg Bird takes zero at-bats, and Cashman said that the other day too, one of the hosts was like, so Bird, a whole year in the minors? And Cashman goes, yeah, hopefully that that works out. He's like, he's as awesome as he was. Mark Teixeira is even more awesome. So, but in a year, it's Bird's turn. Right. And there's... Guys coming up through the system. You hear a lot about Jorge Mateo. You hear about guys like Tyler Wade. You hear about pitchers. It's coming. The wave is coming, and we're going to fill in in between, and then we'll make the moves where they need it. That's what the early dynasty, quote-unquote, years did. Derek Jeter was a 92 draftee, homegrown guy. Bernie Williams was a draftee in the late 80s, homegrown guy. Uh, Paul O'Neill was a shrewd trade with Roberto Kelly, who Mm -hmm. was a homegrown guy. Tino, okay, you had to go out and replace Donnie Baseball, so they made the trade for him. But they made minor moves. They brought in guys like Brocious. Girardi came in, and then Posada came up to supplant him. Jimmy Key. Left field was a revolving door in the late 90s of guys that were either homegrown or, or minimal free agents. David Cohn, Darryl Strawberry. Yeah. You, you, had the, you had the nucleus. Pitching is where they went out and got the talent, and, and, and the field is the where holes. they got in. Right,
0: exactly. And,
1: and then Mariano. See <laughs> – I mean,
0: this We should just have the entire fan base on a couch right now. I don't know if that's possible. But.
1: Laying down with their head on a pillow with their hand on their head like this. And
0: holding their teddy bear, right. yeah, and tell them to calm down or keep calm. I don't
1: have a teddy bear. I have a little brown stuffed dog. His name is Bailey.
0: Th- thank you for sharing. Sorry. Um, I, 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 My wife
1: will pop when she hears that. <laughs> that's about it, though. Uh, I have I, Grumpy Bear. I bought her... Care Bears. The first Christmas we were together, I told her... I was gonna buy her a dog and a diamond. So the diamond was a Victoria's Secret gift card because it comes in like the diamond shape thing and the uh-huh. dog was a stuffed a stuffed dog. So that's why we have a stuffed dog. Gotcha. Anyway. I have a real dog. Way too much you do, and he's, he's named after me. Good, good Louie. Yeah. yeah.
0: It is. Well not after you. Who's Louie? The dog. The driver. Anyway.
1: anyway. <laughs> But the point being is that there's, there's a plan in place, and you have to start seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. And there's clearly more moves to be made, and the Yankees lost a little bit of depth but gained a little bit of depth today in Rule 5, and there's other guys out well, let's, there. Well, let's, let's
0: go there. It's coming. So, all right. I, I, I read Michael Margolis' email about the Rule 5 thing. Did you read it in his voice? I did. Okay. And there were –
1: like I like to read people's emails in their voices, yes. and it makes it's it, fun. like, interesting. Yeah.
0: It's fun. Um,
1: Especially yours when you're typing and you're, you're writing your highlights so everything's in all caps. Yes. And I know you don't mean it to be in all caps, but I just picture you yelling it at me and it makes it even funnier.
0: <laughs> That's so it translates into prompter a little bit better. Right, exactly. But uh, I, I go through the email and by the time I got to the end, I'm just like, oh my God, the number of phases mm-hmm. in rule five. It, it just – by, by the time I got to the bottom, I was like, yep. holy moly. It's like a It's like a rule with like – It's fifteen subletters.
1: So here's here's a quick and dirty primer of how this works for people who don't know. Players are Rule Five draft eligible if they are not on a forty man roster, right? And it goes by age. If you were signed at eighteen or younger, which is basically high school or like international amateurs, you have five years, counting your signing year, if you sign during the season. So like if you sign and if you're if you're drafted out of high school and you sign in June, like. In 2015, Uh you've got 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, and then you're eligible. If you're signed in December, then it's like if somebody signed now, then it would be 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Gotcha. Nineteen or older, which is basically JUCO and college players, you have four years, including your draft year or your signing year. So to you the middle. need so five
0: years on a team before
1: you're eligible. Four or five, depending on how old you were when you signed your, your contract. To be in that your draft. first contract, to you don't have to be in the same organization. To be in the Rule Five, draft. right? Like Barbado was eligible, even though he's only been a Yankee for a year, because he was drafted by the Padres in 2011, and he was in their organization. Okay. Right. So that's how that works. There's three phases: there's Major League, Triple A, Double A. Major league is you can pick anybody in the minors anywhere. Um, <clears throat> they have to stay on your, your 25 man roster or your disabled list all year. And if they spend enough time on the DL, there's like qualifiers that they have to spend more time the next year. Like you can't just stash somebody on the DL, or else you got to offer them back to the other team for 25 grand. And it costs 50 thousand to make the selection. And if you don't keep them, you got to offer them back and the other the team that got them just has to pay 25. dollars oh, they 25. have to pay 20 they 25. They have to pay 25. Okay. Right, they had to pay 25 of the 50 back. Gotcha. Excuse me. I had to cough.
0: Okay. The minor league phase. So do you put that 50 in escrow just in case? You could.
1: <laughs> My, might as well. I'll put it in a CD. Christmas club. C.L. Bundy Christmas club. I'm sorry. You're, club. No, yeah, I'm sorry. You're, you're, yeah. you're describing so Go ahead. So the, the minor league phases are the same. Like for the AAA phase, everybody, every team sets rosters. So like. There's, if players they want really are worried about or want to protect that are in, like, low A, they'll put them on the AAA roster, so you have to pick them in the major league phase. The AAA phase, you can't pick anybody on the AAA roster. It's got to be AA or below, and AA is, you know, below that. Point being, they go in rounds. Every team has a pick based on what the regular draft order is, and then if teams make a pick, then there's a second round, and it's every team that made a pick can continue making picks until they don't want to. And then the, 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 that phase ends when the last team says no. So the Yankees passed. In the major league phase this year, the Yankees passed. There were like 12 teams that made picks, and then four of those 12 made picks in the second round, and then everybody was done. And it goes on so on and so on down the line. So the Yankees knew they were going to lose somebody. I mean, there was, a, there was a, I'm sure, an internal debate between Jake Cave and Ben Gamble, who were both left-handed hitting, on-base profiling outfielders. St- they, they are numbers and, five and six of prototype Gardner Yeah, and you've, you've talked and about And we've talked that. about them. Yeah. So the Yankees chose to keep Gamble. Jake Cave was the number two selection. Cincinnati took him. He has seven games of experience at AAA, but he's got a stick on the roster. But a team like Cincinnati, who stinks, or a team like Philadelphia, who stinks. And he took, could
0: play right now. They
1: took Tyler Goodell, who was uh, at AA or AAA for the Rays last year, and is like, dude can rake. Not the greatest defensive outfielder necessarily, but like he's, he's got some, some skills. Those are the kind of guys that get taken. Fringy, like fourth outfielder utility types, or relievers are 90% of the guys, Tommy Canely a couple years ago, who was with the Thunder, got mm-hmm. drafted by the Rockies. They had him in the bullpen for a year. He had like a five ERA, and they optioned him to AAA the next year once he was officially in their system. Those are the guys that get taken. High upside arms that may have some issues. The surprise was the very next pick was the Braves, who are now the Yankees South, because they have some of the Yankees past brass now down there in their, in their front office, and they took said uh, Evan Rootsky, Right, who has one vowel and a seven-letter last name, but a Y and a J back to back, which people who don't necessarily follow baseball terribly closely look at that and go, "This guy just made it to Double A in like August, and he's being taken in the like number three in the Rule Five Draft." And then anyone who follows baseball closely will be like, "Huh, there's Yankee South again, finding like a hidden, hopefully finding a hidden gem in the Yankee system." And what they're finding is a is a lefty who's in he's twenty three. He's been around for a while. He slipped through Rule 5 last year. He's been hurt a little bit. Struck out 80, 82 batters in 62 in the third innings last year. That's pretty at good. At high A and double A. Yeah. The Braves are awful on paper, and their bullpen is a disaster. You got a lefty who throws hard and, sh- and, sh- and had, you know. A, Yankee a, scored 21 runs against the Braves. Yeah.
0: A lot of teams down the stretch had their way with it. And you Braves. got a
1: guy who's got like a, a, a 10-ish K per nine. Yeah. Why I mean, not? 10 or 11-ish K per nine in the minors. Why not? Roll the dice. Even if he goes out there as a lefty specialist and he gets one batter and he pitches 23 innings next year in 60 games.
0: You brought up the Braves. I want to throw this out at you because I thought it was extremely, extremely interesting. The Braves also Mm -hmm. traded uh, Shelby Miller.
1: To the Diamondbacks. To
0: the Diamondbacks for the number one overall pick. That's only happened two other times Mm -hmm. in the history of the game. Adrian Gonzalez was one of them. Mm -hmm.
1: Densby Swanson, Dansby Swanson is the guy, the that's shortstop yeah. from the Diamondbacks that they took first overall. One of, I think they the first three picks were all shortstops, right? Yeah, I know Brendan Rodgers was number three to the Rockies, right? Yeah. I forget who number yeah. three was, but well, yeah. that's you can you can thank Trey Turner for that. That's the Trey Turner rule that allows players who were drafted weren't eligible to be traded until June fifteenth the following year. Until this year, yeah, that was changed because. This year. Trey Turner was the player to be named later in a deal with San Diego and Washington. And he ended up going to uh the Nationals like as soon as he was able, but like if he get you know, he's the guy they want, but they can't trade him until the end of, until June fifteenth. So it's like if something happens to him, you know, do you do you let him have a good assignment or do you put him down in extended spring training and just wait? So MLB amended that rule, which is good on them. Yes. But but, yeah, I, that raised my eyebrow. So there's, you know, there, there's guys. And, and the Rule 5 draft has been a. There's been guys. I mean, Dan Uglo was a Rule 5 pick. But the Marlins took him, and look what he did for them for a while until he forgot to learn how to hit anything but home runs. Um, <laughs> Johan Santana was a Rule 5 pick in 2000. Had some issues
0: in the field, too.
1: Yeah. 2000, 99, 2000. What, I think it was 99 draft for the 2000 season. He was an Astro. They didn't put him on the 40-man. Tw- the, the Twins took him, stashed him in their bullpen as a lefty specialist, yo-yoed him up and down for three years once he had, like, his options because he was on the 40-man. He won the Cy Young Award, like, five years later. I mean, we did a piece Whoops. on, like, potential guys that the Yankees could yeah. lose, and I put Miguel Sulber on, on there. He's the lefty pitcher the Yankees got for Nunez in okay. the trade for Nunez mm-hmm. a couple, couple of Aprils ago. But he had a similar career path, had Santana, I think, spent the year before he was Rule 5 draft pick in high A. Sometimes guys take forever to develop, and especially if they're signed at 16 and they play in the Dominican or Venezuela yeah. for a year or two and then come up, blah, 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 blah. So, you know, he kind of followed a similar career path. He was in double A last year, was hurt much of the year, but you never know. I mean, you take a shot, you put that guy in your bullpen, you never know what happens. Santana had some crazy good stuff, as anyone who's watched him pitch ever knows, yes. but. Those, like I said, those are the kind of guys that get taken. And the Yankees, they didn't lose or take anybody. Period. Last year, and lost two guys in the first five minutes of the draft this year. <laughs> it's like the, the Phillies took Goodell and was like Jake Cave, Evan Rutsky. Whoa. <laughs> okay, here we go. So much for the Yankees farm system. Uh, so that eliminates not a being bit up of depth. to par. Yeah, it eliminates some of the depth, but uh, it, uh, it uh, it's still it's still you still have. Assuming is your fourth outfielder, and that's all you carry, exactly, can play the outfield. You've got Williams, Heathcote, and Gamble on the 40-man. Judge, not. Taylor Dugas still kicking around. Um, mm-hmm. The Yankees actually lost another, another guy. Danny O uh, went to Oakland in the minor league that, phase. Yeah. He played mostly at Trenton last year. He's kind of been one of those guys that's been like, wherever they need an outfielder in the lower levels to fill in the guys that they have, that's where Danny O has been. and He's been pretty good, but Oakland took a shot on him in the minor league phase, so I'm sure he'll spend next year at... I think their AAA affiliate's still in Sacramento. I'm not sure, but
0: I love the fact that you know there's
1: still plenty of guys. Mark Payton, Dustin Fowler, who played well in Arizona. There's still plenty of guys for AA and AAA. And the, and
0: the fact that kids like Williams and Heathcott got their
1: yeah. major league look last year. Yeah. I mean, that's. That. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure Scranton will carry a fifth outfielder, because that will let Judge DH every now and again. And that will let them have some depth in case if you got three guys on the roster who are all similar profile guys and are all on the 40-man, well, we somebody's going to come up or down every now and again. If
0: Williams wasn't hurt you know, yeah. and he was able to contribute in the postseason, something tells me he would have been on that postseason roster. Uh, same thing with Heathcott. Uh, He was, though, wasn't he? They had Slade on that game. Slade was on the roster Yeah, he was on the roster. And, you know, Mason Williams could have been on it, too, if he wasn't hurt.
1: They had the extra position player they used on Sanchez. But, yeah. Yeah. It was Heathcott and... and But the the fact that those two
0: came up and got really good looks because of all the injuries that happened with the Yankees this year, including Ellsbury and Gardner for a spell, I mean, that's invaluable to what the Yankees are trying to do moving forward. So, another positive. I take
1: Heathcott on the, the wild card roster with a little bit of a grain of salt for this reason. Your regular back, your nine guys that you feel to start are your nine best guys against that pitcher. Your backup catcher and, like, your top one or two guys on the bench are your, you know, it was Chris Young, it was J.R. Murphy. <clears throat> excuse me, it was Brendan Ryan. The rest of your bench, because you have a bigger bench, is filled with guys who are there to fill a specific role. So Sanchez was on there in case they needed a guy to come up and hit a bomb right-handed when you know, against Keichel or somebody else. Mm-hmm. Heathcott was there because he was versatile, he had a little bit of speed, a little bit of power. Right. Rico Noel was there because if Carlos he, Beltran got on second in the eighth inning of a one run game, right. he's coming in to steal third base. Right. And then Heathcott's there in case they need another one of mm-hmm. those, you know, and and there you go. But yeah, he he still got the look. So that's he still got the share that that bonus share of the uh, of the money on top of it. All right. Let- then there were seven guys in the minor league phase of the draft, which mm-hmm. is less yeah, Sexy. Danny O was one of them. But the Yankees picked up. They lost and gained a catcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lost a couple of pitchers and gained a couple of other pitchers and lost Danny O. So kind of an even swap of, of talent minus rule, losing an
0: outfielder. Tis the season. The Rule 5 draft is pretty much a snow globe. Mm-hmm. You shake things up Yep. and all the snowflakes fall and <clears> hopefully get one into the puzzle piece. One man's made.
1: one man's trash and another man's trash. Exactly. And like I said. There were, I think, 14 picks in the Major League phase of the Rule 5 draft last year, and 10 of them stuck. Sean Gilmartin from the Mets, the yes. lefty, uh-huh. was a Rule 5 pick. There you go. Delano DeShields, who started in center field for the Rangers in the postseason. Rule 5 pick. Odubel Herrera, who was the Philly starting center fielder for most of the season. Rule 5 pick. Logan Verrett, who was on the Mets, kind of played a big role down the stretch for them. He was a Rule 5 pick that was returned, but... Guys are there.
0: I want to go back to what you said about one man's trash being another man's treasure. You can talk about football. Is that
1: because one man's dumpster fire? (laughs) One man's dumpster fire is another man's division. (laughs) Is another man's property brothers? (laughs) Speaking of renovating
0: one dumpster fire at a time. Oh, my God. The NFC East, Lou. You 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 you've said it week after week. Oh, it's fl- it's, a, it's 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 a dumpster fire. Well, it's
1: DefCon Four dumpster Monday, fire.
0: Monday Monday night after Dallas
1: after what uh, that football game made me actually watch wrestling. After That's Desha- how bad it was.
0: after Deshaun Jackson muffs that punt. Oh, D Jack. Okay, and Dallas wins that game. I, I don't know if you remember. I think it was Superman 2. I want to say it was 2. It might have been 3. There was a chemical fire at a chemical plant, and he went to a nearby lake and froze the lake with his breath and then proceeded to pick up the entire lake, and then he dropped it, and it put out the entire fire and saved all the people. Superman, in this case, (laughs) saw that game on Monday night went to the nearest refinery, <laughs> froze the gas, <laughs> and
1: threw it onto the dumpster fire. That is the NFC East. It is terrible. We have a three-way tie at 5-7 and seven atop the division. Terrible. And one team at 4-8 and eight in last place. One
0: game out of first place.
1: Now, I forgot to bring the exact specifics up here, uh. but...
0: The Cowboys can win the division.
1: There is a scenario, and I, I will put it up on the Christian Show Facebook page because I forgot to. I printed out the paper, I forgot to grab it. Go like it, do it. There is a scenario where it comes down to week seven. If the three remaining division games go with um, the Eagles beating the Redskins in week 16, and then the Cowboys and the Giants winning week 17, and then everything else in the eight games the next two weeks works out the right way. Basically, I think Buffalo like sweeps. They play the entire NFC East the next month, and they, they sweep right. them. There's a scenario where all four teams finish six and ten, and the Cowboys would be four and two in the division and win the tiebreaker Ugh. and go to the playoffs, and would probably host Seattle or Yes, Bay. yes, they're who, gonna host who, who a playoff who both, game. Who both waxed them this
0: year? It, 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 you can't make it up. It, it, it's so bad. And the other thing we have to talk about and. You know I always take the Giants side of things. And I have to give props to the NFL Network, by the way. They had this show called Timeline, Jersey Guys, about the Giants move from New York to New Jersey. And I'm not saying this because I was in it for maybe 20, 30 seconds tops. But it was extremely well done. Mm-hmm. They did – Much like anything in the NFL Network. S- oh, does yeah. It, yeah. Such a great job on that show. I mean I got, I got a little choked up at the end. Uh, because they brought all those eighty-six giants into that firehouse in Munaki, um, where those firefighters were going to give the giants a ticker tape parade down, you know, the main street in Munaki. Because Mayor Koch, you know, had that famous quote: "Let Governor Kane finance a ticker tape parade." Yeah, well, you didn't have to worry about it, buddy. They yeah. were taking care of at giant stadium. But anyway. I'm going to take the Giants' side here of things, and it's something that Lou had on his I computer. Take, I
1: take Ed Koch's side on that one, too, but okay.
0: We can talk about that in a second. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing. And I'll let Lou say because Lou showed it to me, and I know it was on a website, but with 75 seconds left in the game, if every game was stopped, what would the Giants' record be right now?
1: If the NFL played a 58-minute and 45-second game, the Giants would be 10-2. and 10-2! and two. The games at Philly where they lost 27-7. to That's where, a loss. Where we said at least they scored this yeah. time. <laughs> well, they scored on the opening yeah. drive! Mm-hmm. And then didn't score uh, for the next 50 minutes. Yes! <laughs> or the game at Washington where they were down the whole game and made a furious comeback. Right. Are the only two games they did not lead with a minute and 15 seconds left. In the game. Or were either leading with a minute and 15 seconds left or won. Because there's, there was one game where they kicked a field goal late to come back and win. I right? want you to stop
0: what you're doing right now. Put your thinking cap on and listen to that statement again, Giant fans. If the game ended with 75 seconds left, you would be 10-2. and 10-2 instead of 5-7. and seven. This team has been a fourth quarter horror show all season long. There's no words that can describe it. Now look, I know they've had injuries on the offensive line. The defense is being held together, not by crazy glue. Remember that paste you used to use back in kindergarten and first grade where you stuck your pinky in it and you used it on construction paper to make a little art project to bring home to your mom and dad? And the one that, you know, the, the, the paste that was a little chunky and you always had that one kid in your class that everybody was working on their project and that kid was eating it. Oh, it
1: was the consistency of Icy Hot, that <laughs> yes. stuff, yeah. That kid was eating it. Uh,
0: yeah. That's what Steve Spagnuolo was holding this defense together with. That paste. And you know what? He's doing a good job. The defense, considering what they have, is doing a good job. They gave up 23 points to the Jets. 23. They gave up 13 in in the fourth quarter in overtime in that loss. Okay. Third, they give up thirteen in the last three
1: minutes of the fourth quarter and overtime.
0: What did the offense do on their last possession though, up twenty to thirteen with a chance to run the clock out? what did they do?
1: Fail. Three and out. Hold on. Let me three let three and out. Let me let me set up your your next rant. What did Tom Coughlin do with a ten point uh, lead on fourth uh, and goal oh from the two with 10 or so minutes left after an 11 minute drive
0: Josh Isaac and I talked about this uh in my office before we did the Nets pre and post game against the the Rockets on Tuesday Why are you going to be a gunslinger now in this game that you need? Why are you going to try to do this now? There were other games you could have just tried to shove it right down the other team's throat and go in. This game you need. You need every single point. You do not go for it on fourth down. There are people who are defending this guy. I love Tom Coughlin. I love the guy. I would play for him. I would run through a brick wall for Tom Coughlin. But he was wrong, in my opinion, and in a lot of other people's opinions. He was wrong. You needed to kick the field goal there. And I'm the one that always tweets it out. You don't bring field goals to a touchdown fight. I say it. But in that situation, in that
1: time, in that point of the game, you have to get the three. You have to. absolutely. You know, oh. the, you remember the saying from Wayne's World, yeah, and if a frog had wings, he wouldn't bump his ass when he hopped? Ugh. There's yes, a, There's I do. a lot of teams that, like, the the 10-2 and two with a minute 15 to go is, is a huge... There's a lot of teams. The Eagles have been blown out, too, the last three weeks, but... They missed a kick against Atlanta. They missed a couple of kicks earlier. 45 could be, against the Lions. They, 45 yeah. against the Bucks. And they could be 8 and 5 if they had a kicker that was accurate. And 100% they beat of the, the, the Patriots time. in, in Foxborough. So, my point there is every team has, the, you know, if ifs and Bucks were candy enough, it's yeah, a Merry Christmas yeah, scenario. Yeah, yeah. That said, when the Giants failed to convert on fourth and goal from the two, or whatever it was, fourth and three from the five, what, whatever the situation was. It wasn't was, goal.
0: It, it was, was it fourth
1: and two from the five? Fourth
0: and two from
1: the four. Okay. When they failed to not only convert a touchdown, but a first down on that, and they went for it, and they failed, Mm -hmm. that was the moment, and I tweeted this out, that was the moment where everybody in the world, including Jerry Reese and the Giants Brain Trust, should have realized that the game and the team has passed Tom Coughlin by. Yeah. That is the moment where Tom Coughlin officially lost his mind, because... He said after the game, I, I thought it was the right call then. I stand by it. I still think it's the right call. What's he going to say? Yeah, I'm a moron. He's not going to stand up there and say that. Just nobody is.
0: There, but. there was a game that if you watch Jersey guys on the NFL network, there was a game that the Giants absolutely got destroyed. And, um, or, it was the, uh, or it was the Miracle at the Meadowlands. I'm getting everything mixed up because they stunk for a long – they stunk for 30 years. From They won a championship in 56, didn't yeah. win another one until 86. They
1: stunk from Frank Gifford to Phil Simms.
0: Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. So there was a loss. I, I forget. I don't want to quote what loss it was, but it was bad. And John Mara said his dad, Wellington Mara, turned around – And stomped on a chair until it was reduced to a wooden chair until it was reduced to nothing. And he said, "Dad, I think you got it." That's how frustrated he was because the fans were frustrated in him. And I wonder how many more of these losses it's going to take for his son to repeat that. Maybe throw a metal chair out of his box at the new stadium and say, "Enough is enough." I mean, look, they came in. I can
1: can tell you the answer to that. It's somewhere between zero and four. That's how many games are left. Because if this team doesn't make the – firing Tom Coughlin on the, on the team bus – well, they were, they were at the metal end, so there was no team bus. Firing team Coughlin, Tom Coughlin in the locker room after overtime would have only made it worse. Because even though they're 5-7 and seven, and even though it's swir- circling down the drain, the Eagles and Cowboys and Redskins are right there in the same swirl. So you kind of have to see it out. And i got to give the Maras – But I think Coughlin's gone at the end of the year, if they don't win the division. i
0: got to give the Maris and Mr. Tish a lot of credit. They run that organization with class. Uh, Tom Coughlin has been nothing but a class act for the New York football giants. I don't think that was ever going to happen. They're never going to fire this guy in season. Never. And you know what? They will wait until... At the
1: end of the year, when Tom Coughlin retires, and I just use air quotes, Mm -hmm. it'll be because they said, look, Tom, you've served us well. We're not going to fire you, but we'll give you the chance to quit.
0: Right. We'll give you the chance to you walk away. You will not be away. our
1: head coach next year. We will give you the chance to walk and away. And they'll do that.
0: They'll do that. And, you know, people, oh, conspiracy. No. You let them walk away like that. because It's a way to save face. Because yeah. the Giants have class as an organization.
1: So here's my thinking on this. I understand Tom Coughlin's point. There's, what, 10 minutes-ish left on the clock? Because they got the ball back yeah. with, like, seven minutes left in the third quarter and right. just ran the ball down the Jets' throat. Mm-hmm. You just had a 10-11 minute drive. There's 10, 11 minutes left in the game. That drive
0: bridged the third and fourth quarters and took almost 12 minutes off the clock.
1: So if you could do even half of that again, if the Jets score quickly and you do even half of that again, you're looking at a close game with two minutes to go. I get Coughlin's thinking where if we get seven here, that makes it a three-possession game, and it puts it all but out of reach. I understand. I, I completely understand that logic. And in the middle of the like four minutes left in the third quarter, even as the gun is going off in the third quarter, all right, there's 15 minutes to play. We got to whatever. I get it. You have, you have that confidence in your defense that's been holding the Jets most of the day. Your offense has just literally taken their defense down. The Jets go three and out on that next possession. Their defense has just been on the field for 12 minutes. Yeah. And now they're back out there after two? Run it down their throats. It, it was – I understand the logic. It was the wrong move 10 times out of 10 in that situation. I, I would
0: – I don't know. It, I, I don't have any confidence in the Giants' defense in the fourth quarter. I have all the confidence in the world in Steve Spagnola and his system and, and, and the defense in the first three quarters of the game. They do their job. They, they're like a starting, like a, a fourth or fifth pitcher. Hey, just keep us in the game. Keep us in the game and give Eli a chance to win. Mm-hmm. Just do that. And I, I had a chance to do the pinstripe ball press conference. And, and David Cutcliffe, the head coach at Duke. Does he not look like a librarian to you? He does. Okay. He does. But a nice guy. I love the twang, the Alabama twang. He told me. <clears throat> they um, called
1: their stuff Gatorade. He reminds <laughs> me of that guy.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, he coached Heath Shuler. Uh, he coached Peyton Manning at Tennessee. He coached Eli at Ole Miss. Um,
1: He's a quarterback whisperer.
0: And, and you know what? He said, that guy's not happy. Uh, the Giants are just, you know, they just don't have enough. You don't know how hard he works. You know how much this is killing him right now. Everybody gives Eli a lot of you-know-what. But you have to – I said this to one of my friends who's a Giant fan. I yet.
1: lived 15 years where the best wide receiver that Donovan McNabb had was there for a year and a half and was the biggest cancer on the team. Yeah. But he was still the best receiver yeah. he had. But I know.
0: here's what I just told one of my Giant fan friends. I said, you know what? Eli Manning has proven what that guy can do in the NFL when he has protection. When he has at least five to seven seconds or five to six seconds to throw the football, he could dismantle you. And with the receiving core he has, even without Victor Cruz, he could dismantle you. And if you don't, if you don't believe me or you think I'm just you know an Eli apologist, go look at the tape. Go look at the fourth quarters from 2007. Go look at the fourth quarters from 2011. Guy had an offensive line. Go look at the, go look at the 2012 season until Plaxico Burris. Go look at those last two drives in the Super Bowl. Right. Go, go look at Plaxico Burris. The, the, the season Plaxico Burris shot himself. How good was that team? Eli Manning is a good quarterback.
1: He has two Super Bowl trophies. He has two rings. He has two MVPs. But what that also statement also proves in some people's minds is that he's the guy that can do it when he has... That makes him well, not everybody.
0: Le- then everybody brings right. Tom Brady but that up. That makes because him Tom not Brady le- doesn't have any right. receivers he, now. He's got injuries. But what's happening up there?
1: Right. But what that, they lost two what in that in makes row. those people believe is that Eli can do it when he's got the weapons around him. But he can't make it happen on his own. Which people will say Tom Brady or... I mean, Peyton Manning had Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne and the stable of running Dallas backs. And Clark. He, and he's had a great team in Denver too. The last few James, years. So, yeah, you know, you, you've seen that, but, but they never had a defense. No. Peyton's Colts never had a defense no. ever. And now, which is what makes it weird that Denver's so good because of their defense. And in spite of Peyton, finally, at this yeah, point, well,
0: he, the he, other thing that worries me, he went me, one more year, just like Colby and they shouldn't have.
1: The other thing that worries me, and I'll thank our good friend of the program, Patricia Trina for tweeting this and talking about it. Mm-hmm. Cause she said the same thing. I watch, even though I'm an Eagles fan, I watch a lot of Giants games because they're on. And I well, prefer AFC yeah. football and they're a division so rival and whatever. Yeah. How, how much longer are the Giants going to throw Ruben Randall out there and pretend that he's going to do something eventually?
0: Well, he just came out and said he's disappointed that he doesn't get the looks. And he's disappointed that it's And Patricia to tweeted Beckham. the other
1: day something I said. It's, like, it's been four years and he, he looks lost on most of his routes. Yeah. He's been working with, I know he's had two different offensive coordinators in Kevin Kill Drive and now Bob McAdoo. <laughs> And I realize Eli's had to learn two different offenses. And I realized,
0: don't, as people are calling him. You know,
1: I realized that the first year he was around, the, that they had Cruz and Nix in his prime, and, and Steve Smith was there that year and all that. It's been four years. You've been working with Eli Manning, one of the better quarterbacks in the National Football League, for four years. Can you learn how to run a route for me one time, dude? Yeah. And like, you know seriously.
0: What? I want to go back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the show, how the Yankees—
1: If his heart's not in it, it's time yeah. to go.
0: You know, you brought it up. The Yankees are just doing the patchwork to stay relevant until the reinforcements Mm -hmm. come. You can do that in baseball, especially if you're the New York Yankees. Let's be honest. In football, you cannot have a patchwork offensive line and be and be successful. And you're seeing that this year with the New York Giants because they have offensive weapons. They have a decent running back in Rashad Jennings. He's gotten. He's making a move before. He's like Barry Sanders on the Lions. How good was Barry Sanders? They, 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 and I, I think I've said this on, on the podcast before. Um, I think it was CBS with the NFC back in the day. And they did this graphic on a Thanksgiving day. I don't believe I remember this. But they did a comparison between Emmett Smith and Barry Sanders. And they showed where Emmett Smith was making his cut two yards beyond the line of scrimmage. And Barry Sanders was making his cut two yards behind the line of scrimmage, that should give you a little bit of a uh, breakdown of how good Barry Sanders was. He didn't really have a good offensive line either. Barry Sanders made Barry Sanders, Barry Sanders, okay? And that's not taking anything away from the line he had. I'm not saying those guys were bad, but they weren't as good as that Cowboy offensive line with guys like Jim Jeffcoat, who was a freaking billboard with legs.
1: Larry Allen. Tackle. It was an unbelievable line. And you know line. what? Th- that's part of the reason why Detroit was a run-and-shoot offense for a while is because they knew that they didn't have much of a right. So they instituted an offense where they Wayne had... Wayne Fonts. Yep. <laughs> fund has. <laughs> and Barry Sanders was... Yeah. It's funny. People tweet about the, the Giants running. i like, Jennings is a capable running back. Andre Williams does one thing really well and nothing else very good at Hello, all. Like it's, I brought him up with Josh, too. Unless there's a whole...
0: Yeah, he's not going anywhere. He runs.
1: He runs, he runs down
0: directly h- into yeah. the hole where it's supposed to be. And if there's a lineman there, he runs right into his back.
1: Andre Williams is the computer simulation of a game of Tech Mobile. This is the play. Yes, this is where the guy That's goes. Where you're, exactly. That's it. That's what exactly. he does. He doesn't block very well. No, he doesn't make moves in the backfield very well. The experiment with him is over. He doesn't do. He, do, he doesn't catch. He doesn't do anything even remotely good, let mm-hmm. alone well. Except for the one thing that. Anybody could realistically – any running back in the league can, yeah. can me- memorize a playbook and run it to the exact specification. It makes
0: you pine for Ahmad Bradshaw or Dave yeah. Meggett. That's what it
1: does. Remember a few years ago when the, the Giants had three guys that ended up becoming 1,000-yard rushers? Yeah. When they had Ward and Jacobs and then Bradshaw was like the, the special yeah. teamer, the Kenyon Barner of yes. the group?
0: <laughs> Absolutely. It was a long time ago. and far, far away. Yes, it is. But, you know, I, I – it's, Whatever happened to
1: Derek Ward?
0: I don't he know. Just,
1: he went to Tampa and just he went, went to Tampa <laughs> and
0: then see you later.
1: Same with Jacobs. Lifespan of a running back in the NFL. You can get a lot of awful. trouble
0: on Dale Maybe Drive. Hello.
1: You can. <laughs> Those dinners at Donatello. Oh, that's not what you're talking about. <laughs> okay. Those dinners at Donatello will set you back. Yes, they will. That's yeah, why. Yes, uh, that's why I will. often eat at Wawa. My boy. We're in training.
0: My boy Guido down at Donatello. He always had specials for me and Auriemma. Oh, Guido. And uh, let me give you a quick anecdote on Donatello since you brought
1: it up. <laughs> I think Joe Chavo's got like a, a thing on the mantle there. as like all-time greatest oh, customer. Yes.
0: yes, absolutely. Chavo's
1: always in there, the Hall of Famer.
0: But uh, as he should be. Um,
1: always smells like he just came from the barbershop.
0: Yeah. That's what I love about Joe. Yeah, yeah. Old-time Italian. Yeah. Old-time Italian. Gotta guy. love him. But uh, we go in there one night, me, Oriema and Sweeney Murdy. Uh, Sweeney was helping us out. It was one of our first spring trainings, and he was, you know, yep. showing us the ropes. And we wanted to take him out for a nice meal. So we got together on a night that we could all do it, and we take him to Donatello. And it was the one and only time Joey and I uh, had the Mater D come over. And you know Oriema oh. He is the quintessential Gambini.
1: He's the schmoozer. I,
0: I mean, you know, so the Mater D seats us and says, oh, we have a lot of specials tonight. Do you want to? Do you want to see uh, you want me to just tell you? Oh, Joey goes, "Yeah, just tell us." So, he says a couple of appetizers, he says the dinners. Yeah, let's go. Joey gets a couple of, you know, the hand movement, Joey. I
1: know Joey very well. Joey, that, Joey yeah.
0: goes with the hand movement for a couple of appetizers, and we all order a special dinner entree, and we get a bottle of wine. And I, you do. I already told Joey I'd take care of it and you know, I'd expense it. And the bills there are like they're foldovers. They're like little pamphlets. So they hand it to you. It's a little book. You have to open it to see how much it is. Now, when you just listen to the mater D and you don't get a special menu, you do not get the prices. Yes. <laughs> oh boy. Let's just say that was the last time Mr. Oriema and I ordered without the prices. <laughs> You probably dropped like three 50 on a
1: dinner for three, right? Oh Jesus. It wasn't much more, but with the tip it was just under Did you at least get the Did bills. you at least get the it went through because your talent so like Not really. No? <laughs> no. Um, we actually took advantage – I hate to say this, but we took advantage of, of hanging out with Meredith one spring and I don't, for, for I, a dinner that yeah. way that was a little expensive.
0: But and I don't blame – No one questioned it. I she was there with us. Well, I don't blame them for being upset with me on right. that one because that was my – you know, that was my first year on the road, and right. it was me being stupid, we, and it never happened again. Yeah, we
1: did that one year, uh, me, Joey, Ryan Rutherford, Medvin, a few other guys. Meredith was with us, and we went to a steakhouse, and we – we're a little more extravagant than we should have been. And when it came time to put the bill through, Joey was the senior guy at the time, and he's like, Well, well, I'll put it through and see what happens. And they were cool with it because like we were with Meredith, Yeah, so they they've
0: been they've been extremely cool with all that stuff. And there's just one more story I have to tell, bring back our Michael Margolis back into play. It was the World Series in two thousand nine. Uh we're in Philadelphia. I had woke up late and I missed the breakfast. So I went to the front desk, I was starving. I said, Is there anywhere like nearby I could get breakfast? And they said, Well, they have a brunch right now. I believe it was a Sunday, so they had brunch. So Were you
1: guys staying at that like really bad holiday inn outside? No, 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 no.
0: It was the team hotel. Okay. It was the team I forget which one it was, but it was the team hotel. Was it down
1: in center city? Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So I I went in it as my gonna say I went in. There was no place else to eat. We had to go you know, to the stadium in like an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. So I had to do it quick. I couldn't run out and get something. So I opened the menu and I look. And it was a pre-fee. Pref- prick's fixie? Prick's fixie menu. $60. $60 for, for breakfast. Oy. I got scrambled eggs, hash browns, bacon juice and coffee. And with the tip, I had to leave, you know, five bucks. No, 20%. I left 20%. It was $72. I immediately got on the phone with our expense person. And I said, look, this is what happened. I didn't mean to do it. And then I run into Margolis at the stadium. He goes, oh, how was your morning? And I told him. So every time that I see him now, we talk about the seventy-two dollar breakfast
1: in Philadelphia. Wow, that's rough. I mean, at the Grand Hyatt in Tampa, the br- breakfast buffet is like twenty-five or something, and that's yeah, that's that's, that's a little, yeah. I mean, we we that, that's within our expense limits, but I would rather honestly go to Wawa and get a I, get yeah. a bagel, you know, bacon, egg, and cheese on a bagel and. We or we, Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks. and We get a breakfast learned sandwich. very quickly where all the Starbucks were. Well, plus that also gives me an extra twenty to thirty minutes of sleep a morning. Right. Whereas our, our our you know my boss Kevin mm-hmm. when he's down there, we'll, he'll breakfast buffet it out all the time because he doesn't want to leave the hotel, doesn't right. care or whatever. Whereas I'm like I'll sleep for the extra half hour and, and eat I'll eat three Dunkin' Donuts sandwiches because yeah. you know it's within our budget. Before, the Dale, Ma- fat, before but...
0: the Dale Mabry, there, there's a, we found like a diamond-in-the-rough drive-through Starbucks. Oh, yeah. With a back door right entrance. There,
1: there's a container store right by yes, the now. Yes, exactly, exactly.
0: Yeah. So, you know.
1: Little, little fun story here. Yeah, so hit you me. remember our former social media specialist, Melissa Newhart, yes. who's now working with Steiner Sports. Yes. The first year she was with us, we went to Tampa and she was with us. And, and me and her and Joey are driving in a car to, from the Grand Hyatt to steinbrenner field mm-hmm. and it's eight in the morning like i mean we, you know we, you know how early we have to be there right?
0: yeah you get out of the car and you and hear it's, the crows it's, it's eight it's, in the morning the sun's silent. barely coming yes. up
1: the container store on that block opened that day there was a line around the the building down the block and through the parking lot to get into the container store at 8 a.m on like a wednesday in march hey, a big deal lou People need. Containers. So we laugh about that all the time. Like every time I post something from Tampa, and now you know she's no longer with us. But every um, time I post something like Facebook from Tampa, the container store joke comes up. Just like yeah. you and Margolis with the seventy yes. dollar breakfast. It's like oh, the container store is open. Like unbelievable of all things. The like,
0: hijinks and hilarity that goes on on the road. Oh boy, stories. Yeah, stories. Phil Sims doing laps. At the Grand Hyatt in Tampa when he went to go see his son, Chris, when he was still with the Buccaneers. And Oriemma and I are sitting there. We just got in, just threw our bags down in a room, went, back, went down to the pool to get lunch. And he goes, I think that's Phil Simms. Yeah, it was. Uh, he's told me that's their aunt. He talked to us for like an hour about Matt, about Chris. Who about, did we run into? Oh, about dude. the Giants. It was fantastic.
1: I think it was Dave Winfield we ran into a couple years ago. Just randomly was there just at the hotel. Joey Lee, I think that's oh, Dave Winfield.
0: And Sims was just like a
1: – You can't miss Dave Winfield. No. I mean, even though he's, what, 50-something now, he's still 6'7". Yeah. He's a big dude. He's, he's past Aaron Judge. <laughs> and randomly and – randomly, I think it was Cole Hamels too, of all people, randomly was in our hotel like last mm-hmm. year. And Stucco's, and he's like, oh, I just talked to Cole Hamels. For that. I'm like, Cole Hamels is hanging out in our hotel? What's what the hell's up with that? Oh, boy. It's the fun you have on the road. Yeah.
0: Maybe I'll get to go back to Tampa this year. Who knows? Hello? We will do a live Chris Sheeran show. Say something funny, Lou. Hello. <laughs> anyway. That's... Uh,
1: say goodbye to the people because we're at the Magic yes, Hour. Yes, say goodbye to agree? the
0: people, Lou. Goodbye to the people. All right, that's it. Lou DePietro. a tremendous job with everything Yankees in the Rule 5 draft. Um, and if you want to, as this develops, continues to develop, continue to watch Yankees Hot Stove. And if that's not enough for you, and it shouldn't be, YesNetwork.com, Lou DePietro and AJ Paging, Mr. Herman. Mr. Mr. Er, Erman
1: I believe it's pronounced Erman Eh,
0: Erman 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 Go to YesNetwork.com Read their stuff Uh, It's awesome
1: He's manning the phones right now In case anything happens While we're taping
0: And they keep you up to speed On everything uh, Yankee. So for Lou I'm Chris We'll see you next time Here on the Chris Sheeran Show Podcast on YesNetwork.com And the iTunes Podcasting Network